The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome in. It is the APC podcast. For MacMePackingCompany.com and SB Nation talking Green Bay Packers and uh, maybe COVID-19 all offseason long. Um, we shall see. Follow the show at the APC pod on Twitter. Uh, find us on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Hit that subscribe button and the little five star thing. And that would be, you know, we'd really appreciate that. I'm Zach Rapport at Zach Rapport on Twitter. Dialing it in here from Albuquerque, New Mexico, and uh, I am joined, firstly, in a in a blue t-shirt that you just described as ratty, but it doesn't seem so bad. Alex Patakis, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. It's a uh, it's a giveaway. I went to New York Knicks opening night in uh, 2015. Oh, and, so it's uh, like a 4XL. Exactly. It's a sleepy <laughs> shirt, as I would call it, because uh, since I was a child, and yes, still today, I sleep in like way too big shirts uh, for some weird reason. Uh, but I'm doing well and in lockdown, light at the end of the tunnel, it seems. Uh, I found an 18-pack of Charmin Ultra Soft yesterday, but that's boring. I want to know how bidet life is treating you. Oh, man. So, uh, yeah, I'm a bidet guy now. We got a bidet. We couldn't find toilet paper for like a month. And uh, now I have a not-so-gentle stream of cool water that cleans my butt for me. <laughs> I like it. I really like it. I'm a, I'm a convert. Um I'm a I'm a fan. Uh, quickly on the T-shirt tip, did you catch the T-shirt from a cannon? No, no, I didn't. Okay, um, I have caught <laughs> a giveaway T-shirt before. It was actually at a Milwaukee Bucks game, my first ever Milwaukee Bucks game. Um, so that I, that might have been. I don't know if that was an opening. No, it wasn't opening night for them. Uh, but I think that's the only time I ever caught the T-shirt from the gun. Oh, first Bucks game. That's a sentimental, a sentimental thing right there. All right. Well. Listen, guys, coaching staffs have had uh, to make contingency plans and shift schedules around amid the pandemic. And similarly, we thank Tex Western for shifting his plans uh, to make a bang and shepherd's pie to tomorrow night so that he could be with us today to talk some Packers. Tex, thank you for the flexibility. Thank you for uh, joining us. And what is in your famous shepherd's pie, man? Give us the details. Hey, yeah, my pleasure. Um, so so most shepherd's pies have the uh, mashed potato kind of layer on top. I go with mashed sweet potatoes, Ooh. get an extra savory kind of uh, element to there. Uh, and then um, it's a lot of um, root vegetables, carrots, parsnips. Um, I'll usually throw some zucchini in there as well. So 
get a nice little kind of beefy gravy going, uh, a little ground beef and some veggies and top it off with the mashed sweet potatoes. And it's a it's a pretty solid, uh, solid dish, if I may say so myself. Nice. Yeah, I, I know that you're a guy who likes to cook because we've talked about food before with you on the show. Um, now, is this shepherd's pie something you perfected well before the lockdown or is this something that you've since like mastered since uh, being trapped at home? <laughs> yeah, this is one that uh, over the, the last couple of years, I've I've gradually made some tweaks to it here and there and uh, have, have kind of settled in on it over the last maybe year or so. So this is a it's a staple. But yeah, that's uh, I kind of. With with the lockdown, it's basically just been you know cycling through all the the good recipes that I do have at this point, and thankfully I haven't uh, we haven't got grown too bored of anything just yet. So that's coming, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say this is our uh, first time checking in with you mid mid pandemic. How are you guys holding up? Um, is your work life interrupted? And more importantly, how are you cleaning your butt? That's what everyone wants to know. <laughs> well, work is. Uh, Day job is is in a work from home mode, um, which is fine. Um, my girlfriend and I have uh, separate rooms in the house that we can uh, that we can work separately in, so we can have our own little spaces and uh, not have to bother each other unless we actually feel like bothering each other, which is nice. I've got a coworker who sits across the kitchen table from her husband and uh, is is just losing her completely losing her mind. <laughs> And I'm grateful that we uh, we were separated by two floors, which is kind of nice. You guys have two cats, right? Do you do like a cat draft? Each one of you gets one for the day in your <laughs> in your office. There's there's no drafting. Um, the the older guy always goes up and sits on her lap, um, and the the little kitten. Well, she's she's about three years old now, but she usually just kind of wanders around the basement and plops down on the couch for a couple hours yeah. at a time. So I should have known better. Cats cats tell you where uh, which side their bread is buttered on, <laughs> not the other yeah, way for around. Sure. Um, all right, guys, let's get down to business. The NFL draft is almost upon us. The now fully virtual bunch of elder meatheads on laptops. What could go wrong? Remote Internet NFL draft. And uh, Alex and I have made our feelings clear on draft content. Um, let's wait until after the draft, see who the Packers pick, and then, um, you know, we'll learn about those players. But I know that there are draft nicks among our listeners. So, uh, we'd be remiss if if we didn't do at least a little draft prep content for you guys. So with that in mind, we've got Tex here with us, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the position that still is top of mind for many, many fans, um, and that is wide receiver fans. Uh, not not uh, super jazzed on uh, Devin Funches. They're, that's not really uh, getting, getting them all excited now. Um, one quick detour before we get uh, started on the wide receivers, Alex. I know that you have had an itch to talk the uh, the juicy hot takes flying possibility of the Packers um, possibly winding up with a quarterback at 30 if the draft falls a certain way. Um, do you care to expand on that or ponder something aloud that maybe Tex can shed some light on here? Well, I would like to know from Tex's perspective if he feels like there's a quarterback quarterback in this draft uh, that's a realistic possibility that's worth doing that. And like, I mean, we're, we're going to think this every year until it happens. So like, how do we know when yeah. this is supposed to be the year, you know? Um, but I saw that they, I know they had like a virtual interview with Jalen Hurts, right? But like, I, I'm guessing... That's just kind of standard operating procedure. I mean, you, you kind of have to do your homework. I mean, I'm sure they're virtually interviewing a ton of guys. Um, but 
yeah, no, I, I want to know your thoughts on 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 that possibility. I, I, I look at receiver as a more glaring need, um, but quarterback as a way more interesting um, proposition, obvious for obvious reasons. Yeah, I, I think what it boils down to for me is there's only two guys that I would be comfortable drafting in the first round, and that's Joe Burrow, who's going to go number one, and Tua. Um, I'm not a big Justin Herbert fan. Um, I'm not a big Jordan Love fan. And I just think with uh, the state of the roster as it is, unless Tua falls with the medical concerns around his hip and everything, um, I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't go there at 30. Where, where I start to really start thinking about it is, you can maybe think about it at 62, but, but the fit with me that I really like is Jalen Hurts around the third round. Um, cause Hertz is, Hertz is not gonna, He's not going to go first round for sure. Um, but I think you could see him go, you know, mid to late day two. And if the, if he's up there with the Packers on the clock at about 94, um, that's an interesting spot for him. And, and I think the fit could actually really work there. And, and the timing with a, a third round pick makes a little more sense because you have a little more leeway to, to let him sit and, and kind of develop him and see what you've got. Um, and then, you know, if you, if you like them three, four years down the road, then, then if that's the time to move on, then great. And, uh, at that point, if, um, if Rogers is still playing at a high level, then, you know, spin him off at the end of his third year for a draft pick like Ron Wolf always used to do and, uh, and move on and find somebody down the road at that point. Yeah. So, uh, let's say that would happen, right? Like, um, let's say Jalen Hurts is taken, who's a pretty high profile player at the collegiate level. Um, that that definitely lessens like the Aaron Rodgers, I don't know what you want to call it, reaction. I wouldn't say it was backlash. I don't think he'd be like that upset. But as a put, you know, when when you're talking like second, third round compared to first round, does that does that change things a lot? Because some would argue you still can get like a starting caliber player that the team might need at that point of the draft. Yeah, from from the um the projection there, right? You're 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 looking more down the road and, and as a, as a couple year backup, I just don't see how you can take a quarterback in the first round anywhere in the first round and not expect him to be your starter within the next two years. Um, and the only situation would be if, you know, if a guy who, you know, like I said, I've got, I've got Burrow and Tua probably as top five talents. If one of those guys falls, sure. You know, that's, that's when you do it just, you know, the same way that, that it happened in 2005. But outside of that, um, if you got a borderline, you know, first round, even a late first round grade on a guy when you've got an established starter who's still playing at a high level, I just don't think you can do it from uh, a resource allocation standpoint. Uh, Tex, you mentioned uh, the Packers uh, doing a virtual visit with a quarterback, and I'm sure this information is online, but I, I wasn't sure. Does that count as a do the pre-draft visit rules apply now that we're in this totally <laughs> virtual environment? Yeah, this this year is is so weird with everything being locked down. Um, the the way that they've set it up is the teams can actually have like Zoom meetings or video conference calls or whatever with as many prospects as they want. So instead of the the, the past years where you got thirty guys that you could bring into your team facilities and then that that local pro day for the, for your local prospects, um, they can at least do these informal interviews with with anybody. Um, and I think it's they can call them a couple times a week if they wanted to. So um, it's it's probably not worth reading into as much, um, you know, which players they have these these video calls with. 
But where I think it's interesting is that the reporting from guys like Tom Silverstein and, and a few others that said that they were actually planning on using maybe four or five of their their in-person visits uh, when those were still a possibility um, on quarterbacks, guys like Tua, guys like Jordan Love, guys like Hertz. Um, I think James Morgan, the FIU guy, the, the Ash Wabanon native, um, kind of among that group. So th- that would we, we won't get that list, obviously, anymore. We'll get an idea on a couple of names here and there. Um, but yeah, I would hesitate to get too wrapped up in, you know, well, who did they have a video call with? Um, because they can they can talk to as many guys as they want this year. Yeah. All right, Tex. Uh, you have been diving pretty deep into a deep wide receiver class. Uh, so let's move on. And uh, what I asked you to do was was come up with a list of two or so wide receivers that, that you think could be there at 30 and would be good fits for the Packers and, and as well two or so for the same uh, uh, for round two. Um, that ought to give listeners plenty to chew on here, but I, I know that you've got an overall favorite sort of drool worthy wide receiver, your top guy, the, the definitely won't be there, but Hey, a guy can dream guy. Um, so who's that receiver for you? Yeah. The, if, if it were, if I'd have my pick of anybody, I'd probably go CD lamb from Oklahoma. But as far as guys that, um, that, that might have a really, really slim chance, it's LSU and Justin Jefferson. Um, we talked about him a little bit when I was out in Albuquerque and, and how he just tore up the combine and, and ran way better than everybody was expecting. But um, in terms of what he brings to the table, he's, you know, he's great out of the slot. Um, he's, he's good on his release. He runs well. He's uh, a shifty guy. And, and he's the, the, the nomenclature that uh, I think Ben Fennell uses is he's the quarterback's best friend type of receiver. So he's going to be the guy to get open on the second reaction plays that Rogers tends to, to run. Um, when the routes break down, that kind of thing. So from that perspective, I think he's your your ideal fit um, in Green Bay. He's he's a little bit bigger than your your average slot guy, but um, I think he brings pretty much everything you could ask for um, in, in terms of a, a versatile skill set and and the ability to play a little inside and outside um, to the table. All right. Well, as we move on to the players that you think are actually likely to be there, the wide receivers that could be there at 30 for the Packers, uh, before you name names, what is sort of the body type, the list of attributes that you think the Packers most need in another wide receiver right now? Yeah, that's a that's a great place to start, because I think that really informs the the guys that I'm going to pick out here. Um the the big size speed guy is a little seems a little redundant now on this roster, especially after signing Devin Funches. You've got a bunch of guys who are in that six three to six five, um, you know, two fifteen to two twenty five range um, with Funches, Alan Lazard, EQ. Um, so those guys are all kind of in that same realm. And then you've also got uh, Jay Sternberger, who said that he's going to be probably expecting to play a big slot role of a fair amount this year. So you don't need the, you don't need that big slot guy. Um, there's, there's one or two in this draft that I think could be interesting, but, um, but I think more what you're looking for is the, um, the yards after the catch guy, the explosive guy who can, can make things happen if you scheme the ball into his hands and, and get him open in space. Um, somebody who's a little on the shiftier side, maybe can be the the smaller slot guy, use him on some jet sweeps and then provide a little bit of a vertical element to the, to the offense as well. So somebody with, uh, with good seat, good speed, good, good downfield separation ability. Um, doesn't, again, doesn't need to be a huge guy. Um, doesn't need to be in that six, three range, 
Um, I think if you're, there's a couple of guys, you know, sitting at five eleven, six foot, six one, who I think could really, um, could really fit that mold. All right, that makes sense to me. Speedy, shifty, yards after the catch. Give me some names to know, man. Yeah, the the two that I think really fit that mold in the end of round one are Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State and Jalen Rager from TCU. Um, Rager was kind of a, a victim of terrible, terrible quarterback play at TCU the last couple of years. So um, I think his stats in sophomore year uh, were, were really solid. I think he went over a thousand yards two years ago and then took a step back in, in 2019. But quarterback play had a, a big part to do with that. But you see him just kind of jump off the tape when you you look at him with the ball in his hands. Um, both of these guys, both Ayuk and Rager, have some really intriguing uh, special teams ability too. They're both really um, successful returners at the college level. Um, but I think Rager looks like the more explosive athlete with the the bigger deep speed, um, even though he didn't run particularly well at the combine. But I think the issue there was um, – one of the things that's been circling with him is he ran slow. He showed up real heavy in Indy. And recently he just posted a video, I think over the weekend that uh, shows him down about 10 pounds from his combine weight and running a heck of a lot faster. Um, I think he was in the high four twos, something like that. Um, and that's, yeah, that's not a, <laughs> that's not a, a speed dimension that the Packers have had recently at all. And especially not these last couple of years is that, uh, that, that, true downfield threat um with that that blistering speed so so rager's the one guy um that i would keep an eye on and then brandon Ayuk from arizona state um he was a juco transfer but um he kind of played second fiddle to Nikhil harry in 2018 um harry was a first round pick of the patriots last year um and then when he got the chance to be the number one guy this past year he really shined so he, again both of these guys great after the catch um Again, if you can scheme them open, you can use them in a whole bunch of different ways. And and I think that's the kind of Swiss Army knife type of guy that Matt LaFleur would love to have on the offense. You saw a little bit with Tyler Irvin last year towards the end of the season, getting him on some of those jet sweeps and wheel routes and things. Um, and I think these two guys are the best combination of filling that role while having um, really impressive athleticism to go with it. It's a really deep class. Is there anyone that strikes you as being like a high uh, Jamon Moore risk kind of kind of player <laughs> not to drag Javon but someone who the expectations were were pretty high and it just like it just never clicked for them is there anyone that, that you see like uh red flags whether it's stats or or anything else on on film where you're just like you know uh not sure about this guy yeah I mean there's there's a lot of bust potential all over the place um and I think the the one guy who I'm I'm curious to see about is KJ Hamler from Penn State. Um, he's a, he's only about five eight. Um, again, he's like Rager. He's got some some really impressive speed, but his hands are a question mark. And um, I think if he ends up in the wrong offense, he could be he could be a, a major bust. Um, just if he ends up in a in an offense with a a coordinator who's not very creative, who doesn't kind of figure out a, a good way to use him. Um, again, find find creative ways to scheme him open and, and get him the ball in space. Um, if there if somebody just asks him, all right, well, just go out and be a, a conventional slot receiver. We'll run you a couple of a go routes a game and and just you know make things happen. Um, I don't think that's going to be a situation for him. 
So Hamler's a guy I would watch for. Um, and then I know T. Higgins from Clemson has been, um, you know, sometimes a, a popular mock draft pick for the Packers too. But um, he's one of the, again, he's a big size, size, not so much speed guy. Um, just kind of made his living a lot on boxing out corners um, and making jump ball receptions. And I think that's going to be a lot tougher for him in the NFL where the, the caliber of defensive backs are going up against, um, especially in, in terms of their ball skills, um, it is so much higher that um, I struggle to, um, to see him succeeding in, in this, this, the way that I see a lot of these other guys in this class. Do you see um, any of the receivers on the roster currently not named Devontae Adams or um, Alan Lazard? playing like a significant role next season. Like I know that's hard to judge because we don't know who they've drafted yet, but I feel like for yeah. so long we've got like, we, we were conditioned to expect, you know, Geronimo Allison or MVS or somebody to kind of take a big step or are you through with that? Or do you still hold out hope for any of these guys to turn into like legitimate starting caliber NFL receivers? Yeah, the the guy that I still I've been on the EQ train since day one, uh, since they drafted him two years ago, and I was really bummed out when they put him on IR last year in the preseason um, to to shut him down for the entire year. I still think of of the the young guys on the team, other than you know the two you mentioned and Funches. Um, I think EQ's got the best chance. Um, MVS, unfortunately, you know, th- this last year was seemed like it was really a major struggle for him. Um, and if they get a guy, and again, a guy like Rager, who's got that, that deep ball ability too. Um, I don't think, I think that kind of makes MVS redundant because he doesn't really play special teams. Um, you know, he's not, he's not a, a, he's not known for his blocking in the run game either, which is something that LaFleur kind of prioritizes. So, um, I could see him becoming redundant pretty quickly if, if they do get one of these, um, you know, a, a deep threat somewhere, uh, somewhere in this draft. Why don't the Packers just trade for OBJ? He's going for a second and a fifth, apparently. <laughs> uh, yeah, I saw that today and, and just shook my head. Um, there's no way the Browns are, are, expe- are accepting uh, that kind of draft compensation for him. <laughs> yeah, and well, and the Vikings have denied that that's happening, and who knows like what's actually true. But um, if we see him move this offseason, like what, what price what would it take for you to not be kind of upset? Like I understand money has to be worked out and things like that, but Zach and I always talk about this too. Like money seems fake. Like you can manipulate a cap like a hundred different ways, especially as a fan. Once the season starts, I don't fucking care, man. Score a touchdown. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like uh, I, I kind of agree um, with that. So, so what would it take for you to not be upset and be like, okay, you know what? I'm glad the Packers didn't jump in on that and give that up. You know, with, with the first round picks at 30, um, I could see, you know, if they went if they went thirty straight up for for OBJ, I, I could live with yes, that. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can live with that. Um, and anything too much more than that, I mean, no, no, don't don't get into multiple top one hundred picks. Um, there's enough holes on this roster that you need uh, you need to use those you know the second and third rounders, but. Um, yeah, something involving thirty and maybe you know a fourth or a fifth or something. I could, I could, I could swallow that. But uh, yeah, anything too much more than that, and you get into future picks and stuff like that. Yeah, that that's where I kind of draw the line at this point. First round pick in a bag of footballs. How about that? <laughs> sure, <laughs> I I could live with that. All right. 
let's get back to the draft and move on to the second round. Same question as before, Tex. Give us, uh, if you can, two or three guys that you think, uh, what was it, pick 62 uh, in the second round mm-hmm. that, that could be there that are, are, are fits for what you have already described as, as what the Packers might be looking for. Yeah, in in the second round, you start to see um, a little more of the the tall speed guys show up a little bit. And and while, although he's a little redundant, um, Michael Pittman Jr. from USC is a guy that I really like. Um, I don't think they'll they'll go that way at thirty, but if he's around at sixty two, he might be there. But Pittman is um, let's see, I think he's about six four, two twenty, ran four five. Um, Kind of reminds me a little bit just in terms of his his build and speed of of like a Jordy, honestly. Um, and I mean he he moves well. He's a he's got a huge catch radius, um, and I think he can do more than just be um, be the big slot. I think you can play him inside. I think you play him outside. Um, he's not necessarily the the conventional deep ball guy who's going to beat you with speed, but he's going to beat you with his leaping ability and, and his ability to separate physically. So that's a that's an interesting guy, and and again, that's a little departure from what I described earlier. Um, but then the, there's there's another guy. He he was he worked out with the receivers in the combine. I think he's more of a um, receiver running back hybrid. I think I I, I kind of compare him to like Ty Montgomery on steroids, and that's Antonio Gibson from Memphis. Um, he's he's built like Ty. He's six foot two twenty five two thirty or so. Um, but he ran in the four threes and he was this kind of crazy Swiss army knife for Memphis last year. Um, and I, I know our Paul Noonan absolutely loves this guy. Um, he put up some, some absurd stats and just some of the film on, on him. Um, he looks like a man amongst boys out there against some of the, the, um, I don't know if it's COSA or, um, the American conference or whatever, but, um, he, he'd be a really fun, interesting, again, a, a Swiss army knife kind of guy for, for LaFleur to use um, in that sort of Tyler Irvin role, get him rolling around all over the backfield. Um, you can, you know, hand him the ball off out of the, you know, from tailback, you can sp- split him out in the slot and get him on some jet sweeps and just get him going on go routes. You can use him all over the place. And I think it would be fun for him to end up in a, in a creative offense like green Bay's. Alex, are you ready for Ty Montgomery 2.0? <laughs> hey, yes, actually. <laughs> Um, I would be excited. They would improve. Yeah, I, I would be too. Like I can always uh, get excited about a guy like that uh, of that of of that profile. It's just so fun. Yeah. It's like a video game player, you know. Um, yep. And I, and I would like to see what what a Ty Montgomery like player drafted into this offense as opposed right to the Mike McCarthy offense would yes. uh, would turn out. Uh, what that Even would like turn prime out like. Randall Cobb, like what does that look like in the Matt Lafleur offense? I don't know. It's just like a yeah. couple years are just—I don't want to say wasted, but eh, what could have been? Anyway, <laughs> interrupted you. Sorry. No, I mean I have—I have no other thoughts other than I would be uh, <laughs> be open to that. Is Randall Cobb returning to Dallas? By the way, no, no. Where's he going? Houston. Houston. Yeah, he signed a big deal with Houston. Oh, he did. Wow, how did I miss that? Yeah, wow. yeah, a huge deal actually, sand. right? Yeah, I want to say it was three years and twenty-seven mil or something like that. Like, good, good for him, yeah, good yeah, for yeah. Randall. But um, that was, I don't know that that was the latest in the uh, the the Bill O'Brien saga this year. <laughs> oh, everyone's favorite punching bag. Um, all right, Tex, you have uh, 
you, you've uh, done the mock drafting. You know, SB Nation has covered these incoming rookies left, right, and sideways. So um, as we sort of uh, put a put a bow on all this, what do you think? I put you on the spot now. What do you think is actually the likeliest outcome in round one for the Packers? Honestly, I think they're going to trade back. I think they're going to trade back into the yes, mid to late 30s. I love it. Yeah. Maximum um, chaos. Everyone would be so upset. Yeah, I, I think um, I think if Josh Jones, the tackle from Houston, is there, um, I think they get their right tackle of the future. Yeah. Um, but I think I think there's a good chance that uh, that there's going to be five or six tackles go off the board before the Packers are on the clock. At that point, you've got a whole tier of receivers here that, again, you can if you go Ayuk, you go Rager. You, there, there's three or four other guys that I think could be in that mix. Um, so at that point, you know, I think the, the best option is trade back five, six, seven spots. See if you can pick up another top 100 pick, um, you know, late third or so. Um, and, um, and then get your, you know, get your receiver there in the thirties. Um, you know, maybe get your offensive lineman or a linebacker at 62, um, and then pick up the other position in, in round three. And, um, you know, and collect yourself a, another top 100 pick. That's what I'm betting on. Um, again, so if, if Josh Jones is there, I think he's the pick. If he's not, um, yeah, I think a move back is happening. If the Packers don't take a receiver in the first, I don't know, let's just, let's just say two rounds, just given the track record of the second <laughs> round receivers under Ted Thompson and the fact yeah. that there hasn't really been a guy uh, drafted lower than that, unless I'm just totally missing somebody. Um that's impressed us. Like, are you going to be pissed? Are you going to be like, okay, I can live with it. Like, you know, maybe, uh, Tyler Irvin could play a little bit of a role and maybe Funchess (laughs) will contribute and Lazard will take a, uh, a step forward. I mean, like, what's that going to be like for you if it doesn't happen? Because there are a lot of needs on the team and it's like, there's only so much that you could address. I'll be a little concerned if they don't have one by the end of day two. Um, I, I think there's there's enough depth in this receiver class that you can find players who are going to um, be significant contributors um, for their careers and early on, you know, all the way through the end of the third round of the draft. So if they go if they go into, you know, if they're if they come out around two, don't have a receiver. I'm not panicking yet. But if we go over, you know, turn over to Saturday and they don't have one, that's when I start to to scratch my head a little bit and um yeah, depending on what's still on the board there. But um, I mean, last year, Terry McLaurin went in the third round and he's Washington's number one receiver right now. Um, and he's he's a damn good player. I think there's guys that could be that uh, that kind of player again um, again this season. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where I draw the line as far as when I start hitting the panic button. though. Yeah. And well, it seems unlikely. So, I don't, you know, it's not necessarily mm-hmm. something to worry about yeah. now, but, it, it you know, sometimes it happens like you go in thinking like there's no way they don't take x and yep you know there's a lot of y's and and, z's and the board falls yeah yeah the ball the board falls in funny ways too so i mean i could see i could see them drafting a defensive back again at 30 um i I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility especially (laughs) the 18th year in a row i know (laughs) (laughs) but especially if they find like a guy that they really like who's kind of the you know the hybrid slot corner safety guy um you know, we know how much Petten loves to play three safeties. So, you know, that could be a position um, that they look for. Um, obviously, offensive line is, uh, you know, is is potentially a priority, especially on a tackle. Um, I don't like 
I'm not particularly crazy about the top end of the defensive line class, but certainly that's a, an area where you probably have a need as well. And I'll be, I'll be fairly surprised if they don't draft a defensive lineman, you know, within the first three or four rounds also. So, um, yeah, there's certainly, there's certainly no shortage of target positions, but, um, yeah, I, I, I think receivers and, and I mean, they've even said it is speed, adding speed to this offense has got to be a priority. Um, and I think, you know, at the combine, Gudikinst even acknowledged it, that that was what he was looking for at the trade deadline. Yeah. And just couldn't kind of couldn't quite get the, um, the deals to work out. So, um, yeah, I think it happens, but, um, yeah, hopefully sometime by, by the end of day two. So I hear offensive line, wide receiver and defensive line. Is that like your big, your, your big three? Yeah. I mean, I think you can throw linebacker into the mix a little bit, but again, that's one where, you know, time and again, this team has shown that they don't really the Packers need a linebacker. That much about no, investing. yeah, yeah, <laughs> they just don't invest uh, invest time and money and draft and high draft picks in that position. So, um, I, I think the the two big guys, Kenneth Murray and Patrick Queen, are the big names that are out there for for the potentially for the Packers at thirty. I think they'll both be gone by then anyway. So that kind of takes that uh, that part of the equation out of their hands. Anyhow, um, I think you look more at uh, some guys date somewhere day two um you know second and third round there's some really interesting guys out there um at that position as well um you know your your modern linebackers who can who can cover who can cover tight ends um and but then again you know the way the packers play and and blake martinez kind of alluded to it is you know they they're the cleanup guys so you know maybe they look to the defensive line instead to um to put some some bigger bodies up there to 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 take up blockers instead all right, Tex, uh, before we let you go, one last thought. What are you most looking forward to or intrigued to see in terms of a fully virtual draft? Alex and I talked about this this last week. <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to seeing how many kids and dogs and cats and pets and things end up showing up when <laughs> uh, in the GM's virtual um, virtual space. I, I, I really, I don't know. I, I guess I'm curious and just to see if, if, you know, the GMs end up putting up webcams at home or anything like that. Right. Cause we're going to see a lot of these players, um, who are getting picked, um, you know, as long as they have approved NFL sponsors, um, in oh, their, God. in their home. No chat um, links. Yeah. That, yeah. That was a, <laughs> that was the thing today. But, um, you know, we're going to get to see these guys react to their picks and, and Goodell's going to make the, the announcements from his basement. But I, I'm just very curious to see if the, the webcams get set up uh, in the GM's homes and we actually get to see them, you know, doing their work and seeing what their setup looks like. Um, that could be a lot of fun. We saw somebody tweeted a picture today of um, I think it was Tom Telesco, GM of um, you see there the Chargers or the Titans, I want to say. Um, his, his whole homework setup and he's got, you know, two laptops on his desk, two full external monitors. And I think he's got like two tablets or iPads or something, um, you know, and a couple of reams of paper or something and notebooks. And then they contrasted that with Dave Gettleman from the giants who has one 13 inch laptop and just his, his entire work surface is covered in paper. Does not surprise me just thinking, in the least. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, we, we, we already know he's a, a Cro-Magnon when it comes to building a football team. So why not when it comes to technology? So, so those kinds of differences I, I am going to find absolutely fantastic, though, uh, next week. It's going to be fun. I'm really sad that, uh, that Ted Thompson is gone and we don't get to see what that home looks like. 
because oh, we've been, <laughs> speculated about it so much, and it's just so much more interesting yeah. than someone who's like very normal, like Brian Gutekunst. So, my yeah. guess on the TT yeah. house is clean as a whistle. Yeah, clean as a whistle. Walls, and no, I, it's, it's, no paint on the wall. Everything's white. <laughs> Well, it's one, it's one direction or the other, right? It's either going to be, you know, completely spick and span with everything in its place or just complete chaos hoarding situation of just notes and notebooks and tape and, and all this kind of stuff for Ted. You know, it's got to be one direction or the other, I would think. Yeah. And I'm assuming Roger Goodell's basement is very nice, but there's like, I don't know. I feel like there's like maybe a 2% chance that it's not. It's just a shitty basement. <laughs> <laughs> maybe 1%. I don't know. All right, and with that, I think we are going to hit the polka and get out of here. Tex, thank you so much for delaying your shepherd's pie plans and joining us for a little draft talk, man. Yeah, my pleasure. And um, something to keep an eye out for. We're talking about trying to figure out if we can do some uh, some live commentary video streams during round one next Thursday. Awesome. So um, we're keeping an eye out on APC for that. Um, we'll be posting details so you'll be able to chat with us live. I know uh, Paul Noonan and I are trying to work on setting that up. So it should be a good time. Awesome. Alex, any closing thoughts uh, for the listeners before we uh, near the weekend, whatever that means at this wow. point? I don't know. Uh, no, just uh, enjoy that shepherd's pie. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm about to go eat some chicken tinga tacos. So we're going to see how Ooh. these turn out. I have high hopes that these could work their way into the regular rotation, but... Time will tell. Stay tuned. Yeah. We'll let you know. I'm about to log off and check on the dinner menu myself. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for downloading at the APC pod on Twitter. Find us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a review, a rating. Click that five-star button. You don't have to write anything. Just, just a little touch. Just a little. I'm pointing at my camera right now. Just a little touch to let us know. Um, and uh, if you do like what you hear and you want to support us in other ways, we are now on Patreon. Patreon.com slash note nugs plural one g n o t e n u g s patreon.com slash note nugs uh, we've had a few more people trickle in and we really really appreciate it it means a lot to us so thank you graham thank you steve more to come i'm sure and we will talk perks and all that fun stuff as we get further on down the line the draft is right around the corner and uh the end of the show is now go pack go see you guys later